to another episode of Life in the Urban City podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hudak. And today we're joined again with one of your guys' favorite guests, Nora Jacob. Um, and Nora is actually helping us start a new series that we're doing. It's a three-part series on recovery. And Nora brought in one of her mentees. And so I'm going to pass it over to her and let her kind of lead this mentor-mentee conversation. And hope you guys all enjoy it. Welcome, Nora. Thanks, Paul. Yes. So one of the things that I do with Justice for Youth is to actually go into one of the prisons and work on recovery and healing with people there. There's a men's prison close by, and so that's where I've met the person who's our guest today, Albert Mondragon, Alberto Mondragon. Um, I've known this guy for a long minute because he was one of my first students and mentees. He has been working with recovery since since I'm not sure when. I think that's part of what this interview is about. So, Albert, welcome. It's good to have you here. Thank you very much. Good to be here, too. So, let's just dive right into it. What does full recovery mean for you? Full recovery means to me being abstinent from drugs, the lifestyle that I used to live at one time, with violence, alcohol, negative influences in my life. And also today, what it means to me is just being conscious and aware of my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions, mm-hmm. you know, getting to know myself within. Like, I carried a lot of hurt from a very young age, you know, and just being able to... Uh, um, have understanding to my life, you know, um, that's what full recovery means to me today. Thank you. What was a deciding moment for you in seeking recovery? A deciding moment for me in seeking recovery uh, um, was when I got interviewed for a victim offender education group mm-hmm. while I was in prison. Um, you, Nora, and uh, another lady named Rita, came and interviewed mm-hmm. uh, me and uh, um, and a lot of other individuals. You know, I was one of the fortunates to actually be able to make it because it was only a class of 12. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, what helped me was one of the first assignments that we had in there called the crime impact statement. And I started seeing my story and how many people I harmed, you know, in my life, you know, um, because of all the anger that I carried, you know, which at the time I used my anger to compensate for what I felt. I felt lonely. You know, I felt ashamed. I carried a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of resentment inside of me. Um, I was just afraid. You know, I was very broken. And unfortunately, I projected all that onto other people. Mm-hmm. So for me, victim offender education group was something very huge that impacted me in a way where I had to do something about it, you know, and I had to just start opening up about everything that I was feeling, thinking, and I started seeing how I harmed other people and how I became numbed to all of that, you know, and um, it, it really touched my heart, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just in desperate need for help. I wanted to help, and, you know, I thank God for that opportunity in my life because for the first time I started to see glimpses, you know, that I can't be helped, that I can't change my life around. And I'm very grateful for you, Nora. Thank you. Thank you for that entire testimony. Was it a straight line for you? 
No, it was difficult. It was difficult. Um, there was times where I just thought that this wasn't for me. Sometimes there were, I thought that um, I was just wasting my time, that I can't be helped because I felt like a monster. You know, and uh, um, I didn't think that I was worthy of anything good because of all the harm that I had caused. You know, and uh, um, because I carried that guilt and the shame, you know, like I, I didn't allow myself to be helped. I didn't allow myself to become vulnerable, mm. you know, because I, mean, I was my own, own worst enemy. I was my own worst critic. You know, and uh, um, like I didn't think I would ever accomplish anything or change my life that, that, that it was just not for me. That's powerful. Thanks. Many things change for people who struggle with addiction. What were one or, of, or two of the things that changed for you? Well, for me, something big that changed for me that people ended up trusting me. Mm. People started believing in me. You know, um, another thing that changed for me was... Um, I wasn't alone in that lifestyle of addiction that held me hostage for a very long time. And for me, that that was powerful because, I mean, for people to, to be able to trust somebody like me, how I was in the past, you know, when I just literally uh, uh, um, betrayed everybody's trust, I just treated people like crap, mm. you know, I uh, never thought that was going to be able to happen so it was big for me and I wanted to keep that how was I going to be able to keep that was by being honest being responsible people could rely on me mm. and it felt so good because I always wanted that I wanted to see know that people could see that in me you know it was huge for me mm-hmm. thank you hey Albert I want to ask on that do you know why that person was willing and wanting to trust you again because they were able to see something in me that I wasn't able to, you know, that I was a good person, mm-hmm. you know, and that they seen the desperate need for help that I was crying out to, you know, they know I wanted it. I just didn't know how to go about it because that field was uh, um, foreign to me, you know, and uh, like I couldn't see it, but when these people wanted to keep helping me out when that person wanted to keep helping me out i'm like why is he keep doing this mm-hmm. no so it was big for me i was like you know why not give myself an opportunity to be able to change my life around awesome thanks albert who were the people who made a difference a positive difference in your journey to recovery well it was uh I have a lot of friends behind the walls, mm-hmm. you know, that never gave up on me, you know, and uh, um, then you and Rita came into my life, you know, and uh, um, which was huge for me, it had a drastic impact on my life, you know, because I started liking what I was feeling, I started liking what I was uh, hearing, you know, because things were making sense, finally, mm-hmm. You know, because I was just lost, you know, uh, confused. And I was just like a zombie, you know. Like, I didn't even know where I was heading with this. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you guys started walking with me in my journey, uh, um, like, 
it felt really good and I get touched my heart you know and uh, um yeah I'm not gonna say that everything was easy mm-hmm. no because there was times where I'm like man I don't think I could trust these people they're just gonna put my business out there you know and um but you know what like I'm very grateful for you guys for doing that mm-hmm. what resources and supports have made a positive difference in your life in your recovery journey you, mm, Nora, uh, uh, Rita, Father George, mm-hmm. um, my friends mm-hmm. in prison uh, that believed in me, uh, um, NA, CGA, which is Alcoholics Anonymous, Criminal Gangs Anonymous, my sisters, mm-hmm. um, the family support network that I have, you know, uh, that made things a little bit easier for me to seek help. That made a difference today in my life, and they keep making it until this day. Mm-hmm. I remember working, walking with you was like um, peeling an onion. So you take a layer off, and there was a lot of a lot of pain and um, shininess um, and slipperiness, and then you'd settle. And I remember always wondering, like, there's something something there and then there was a day when you were willing way into the victim offender education group work when you were willing to share by role playing do you remember that day i'm not going to disclose what it was about but when this is to acknowledge your compliment and to say thank you um because part of it is building the relationships right so that not just that people trust you, but that you trust others enough to keep at the work. So did you relapse after that time? Because it was so incredibly intense. I've never asked you this question, so here we are on the podcast. I did relapse, mm. you know, because it added to the guilt and shame that I still carried. No, no matter how much understanding I still had, that guilt and shame would consume me, you know, because I thought that, you know what, no matter how much work I do on myself or work on myself, you know, like, that's just not going to be enough for all the hurt, pain, and headaches that I gave to all these people, you know, that I hurt. You know, I, um, I couldn't live with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't utilize my my coping tools, you know, I suppressed everything, you know, because I thought I was going to be okay, but the fact was that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I went to into, like, a state of denial, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, like, I just found my comfort zone. And what prompted you, what moved you to change then, to start working your, your recovery journey again? Or did you ever really give it up? What was what was it like moving from relapsing back onto recovery? Well, I, st- I just kept seeking help. Mm. You no, know, uh, um, Byron, Byron, and uh, um, was a person who who actually motivated me to pick myself up. Mm-hmm. Somebody who I have to make amends to by the way I live. You know, because he deserves that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, um, 
So I found like the energy to do something about it. You know, I started to utilize my coping tools. You know, uh, um, when I couldn't reach out to people, I wouldn't just sit there stuck and feeling sorry for myself or any type of excuses, you know, to keep messing up, you know, and uh, um, or finding anything to justify why I don't want to take this serious anymore. Like, I didn't want to mm-hmm. give up on myself. Like, I did it for all, for almost all my life, you know, and I started finally feeling good about myself. I didn't want nobody to take that away from me. So mm-hmm. I found the motivation to pick myself up. Thank you so much. Ooh, how do you navigate the world differently in your recovery? Well, today, with my recovery journey, uh, um, I'm conscious aware of my thoughts, my feelings, you know, and how that could impact my actions today. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, I have to be mindful that I can't sit here and try to control people. People are going to say and do what they want. However, like I have a lot of tools today, you know, I have a lot of people in my life today that are who I love, you know, and uh, um, just being aware of that, you know, and just having that understanding, you know, that helps me, it helps me out a lot because, you know, like I have, I have a choice today to react to whatever situation, you know, uh, 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 in a negative or positive way, you know, I choose to react to it. In a positive way, because that's what's helping me out today. You know, um, being responsible today, you know, I have a lot of things going on for me in my life, you know, and uh, I'm not going to rob myself of an opportunity to keep learning, growing, and amending my behavior and actions. Dude, you make it sound easy. Is it easy? No, it's it's (laughs) not easy. You know, it's just... Talk a little bit about... uh, Give us an example. An example. An example, at work, mm-hmm. you know, I have... What do you do at work? Construction. Mm-hmm. I work for the union mm-hmm. out there in Ventura. Uh, um, a blessing. But I have to deal with a lot of different personalities, you know, different people. Companies get off at certain times. I park my truck in front of a, a car, and um, this person, he didn't know that was my truck in front of him. So he started calling me, uh, um, like, this D, dumbass, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, um, he, but he didn't know he, that truck was mine, you know, and he was so frustrated, you know, he just wanted to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I didn't know this. I don't know what was going on with him, you know, but I thank God that day, you know, uh, my sister had put out. Like these podcasts, you know, these positive things, you know, and uh, I would listen to it on my way to work, mm-hmm. not knowing that that was going to be a blessing that day mm-hmm. because it really helped me out with that situation when this person was just literally cursing at me, telling me bad things, horrible things, you know, and um, I was happy. I was happy that I didn't get triggered, actually, you know, because I think God works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. So I told him I'll move my truck right now. You know, and he just looked at me. His lips started quivering, you know, and I uh, got off my truck. And I, I actually felt afraid because he was saying all these things. I went up to him, and what he was trying to tell me was that he apologizes mm. for my for his rude, rude words. Mm. And uh, um, I was shocked. 
Yeah. I was actually shocked because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to go back to prison. I'm not trying to mess up, you know, like I have a lot of things going for me. But I am very grateful, you know, that I was able to not take things personal, you know, and, you know, probably had a bad day at work. Okay, it, it does get tough. He probably got yelled at. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to get out of there, you know, and um, I can't put myself in his shoes, you know, because I've done stuff like that. I could empathize and being able to do that and help me out a lot and i actually feel proud of myself how did that story how did that encounter end so there you are he's managed to apologize and then what well for one i just i told myself a great job i called my sister too and gave her thanks Mm. i thank god like man you know what this felt good yeah you know like these tools really do work you know, when your conscience and where it was really going on with your body, mm-hmm. your thoughts, you know, like, it does help. It is going to help out a great deal. Mm-hmm. Only if and when you exercise your tools, you know, and uh, um, so, yeah, it's, it's a good feeling. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, Albert, I have a quick question, if you don't mind, Nora. Um, with When it comes to work, um, being in construction, do you find it challenging sometimes to knowing that you're going through sobriety and recovery. Um, because I know within contractors, there's a lot of people who might use different substances to stay awake, to get work done. How do you manage and balance yourself? Because I know from some people in recovery, like I can't be around it. I don't want to smell it. I don't want to see it. How do you, how have you experienced and been about that? And you know what? Uh, I see that. I see it all, all that, that day, but too, like, do sometimes do I get triggered? I do. Mm-hmm. The, like you said, the smell. Yeah. The smell. Uh, um, then some. Like when I drink water, it seems like I get the taste. Mm-hmm. You know, the sensory triggers. Yes. You know. Uh, uh, um. However, I remind myself. You know, like is this really worth it? You know, because mm-hmm. I know that if I was to start, like it progresses over time. You know, and uh, um. And yeah, people have negative attitudes. You know, and it is challenging at times, especially because that field is actually foreign to me because I haven't been working there that long. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, I have tools, you know, I have the power of choice to do something about it, to remove myself from that. You know, um, I, and I'm actually happy with that. Mm. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. People often talk about recovery as a process or a journey. How would you describe it? To me, it would be a journey because it's my life. Mm. You know, it's, it's an everyday thing, you know, where I have to do my part in order for me to be okay with myself. Like, I have to, like, literally sit down and ask myself, like, what am I going through today? How have I really been? You know, like, if certain thoughts, negative thoughts, like, surface, you know, like, why are these coming up? You know, uh, like what's really going on with me? You know, do I feel offended by people or like, uh, uh, do I feel like I'm not doing a great job or not with my family? Am I treating people right? Am I treating myself right? You know, so to me, like, I have to walk with Albert, little Albert, and let him know that he's going to be okay, that he has people that love him today, you know, that he has a lot of help today in his life and he's anything but helpless today 
So I would describe it as a journey. Thank you. And then what happens in a minute-to-minute thing when you get triggered and you realize that you're struggling? So you're going through everything. What do you, just literally, what do you think about? Well, can you say that again? Yeah, so as you get triggered and you realize that you've been triggered because you're feeling the feels, right? What moves you from being triggered to acting on taking care of your triggers and moving back into recovery from that moment of, of contact with addiction? Uh, for when I, I start thinking about my friends, mm-hmm. you know, I start thinking about the people that I've harmed. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, uh, sometimes when I think about a certain person, uh, that's helped me out. That alone right there holds me accountable for my decisions and actions, my thoughts for everything. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's, it's a blessing because like God, I literally don't have to talk to them. No, but it really helps me out, you know, because uh, um, like I said before earlier, um, I have a lot of pre- uh, friends in prison mm-hmm. who helped me out, you know, and who I want to keep honoring you know um because i want a second opportunity to live life out here how i'm doing you know and so yeah i'm I'm grateful for that you know where i won't react to my triggers because of what i'm thinking or or feeling like that i could ask for help too i have a lot of things that i could do today thank you our last question or uh invitation for you to speak uh, different in- people react in different ways to hearing about somebody's recovery journey, especially if details come out in awkward ways. What did help you and what didn't help you in terms of what people have said to you about recovery? Well, well what helped me was that you know, I, I wasn't alone in this. Mm. You know, uh, um, when I started going to meetings, when I started going to victim education group, when I started people seeing people being vulnerable and exposing themselves, that really helped me out a lot because I thought I was the only uh, uh, person that felt like crap about mm. himself. I thought I was the only one that did a horrible thing that hurt a lot of people. But that wasn't the case. There was a lot more people like me. You know, and just knowing that I wasn't alone in this journey, in this walk, that really helped me out a lot. You know, and um, eventually I started to open up. I started speaking up in meetings and, like, exposing myself and shedding light about all the things that I did, you know, my feelings. You know, and just speaking about, um, you know, like, I was, my fear was actually not holding me hostage anymore from being vulnerable to others. Earlier in this podcast, you referred to yourself in an earlier time as a monster. Um, How do you feel about yourself today? Well, I'm human, you know, uh, so I feel good about myself. I know I'm a good person today. I know that I have a lot to offer. I know that I have a lot of potential. And I have the ability to overcome anything today in life. You know, I've been resilient, you know, um, through adversity, you know, like 
like I said earlier too, yeah, I lived in hell for a little bit, you know, but I came out thanks to God and all the people that he put in my path today. You know, I'm very grateful, you know, because um, I owe this to myself too, you know, through these people that helped me out to treat myself good. So, yeah, I'm a good person today. I would agree. You're a good person today, Albert. Man, a, a mentor can hear no happier words than that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying yes to this invitation. Thank you, Nora. Yeah. Yeah. Paul. I, yeah. I have a question, too. You've been talking about recovery the whole time and, and being in and out of incarceration and stuff. And from your experience, what is where has it been the best for you for recovery because i know sometimes people say like when you're away from a lot of your triggers it's so much better but when you get brought back it's so hard because all these triggers are coming at you and you don't have the right coping skills because a lot of times people who are listening are friends or family of people who are in recovery and what can we do to make sure that they are in the best place for that meaning like it they were to come out of prison yeah anywhere it, out of prison you know like they might have gone out of state they went into a recovery home you know because sometimes you know being away it might not be the best because they need that support system but sometimes being away is great because that support system is the ones that are causing the harm for themselves to fall into addictions or issues what i think about that and what i'm doing today is um when my friends call me, right, mm -hmm. like, I let them know, like, my experiences out here because a lot of people say that, okay, it's it's nice, it's beautiful to be out here, but they forget to say how much they also struggle. Like, I've struggled a lot. It wasn't easy for me when I got out. You know, uh, do I have a beautiful support network? I do. My parents are pretty well off. But that doesn't mean that that was going to help me with being okay. So what I do, I tell my friend, you know, like, the variety of addiction out here, it's out of this world. You know, um, trigger-wise, it, it intensifies because you're going to deal with a lot of different personalities, a lot of mm. rude people. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad people, no. But where we come from, like, I was used to being babied all the time whenever, whenever I was going through something. I would have the help right there, and I knew they would be there to try to pick me up. Out here, you don't. You could, I mean, you're only a phone call away, right? But what I do, uh, I tell my friends, you know, this is what I'm going through. You know, um, I get triggered by my parents. You know, uh, um, I get triggered with my coworkers. You know, just being able to provide for myself, my family. You know, like I have to work. There's responsibilities out here, like, yeah. and I can literally can't make time for other people how I would want to, and other people can't make that time for me. How they would probably want to, you know, because they have a life to live as well. Mm. So it does become a little bit harder, you know. So, but being honest and telling this to my friends, like, I think it's a great deal, you know, because I'm letting them know, you know, and trying to help them out in the best way they can. So when they do come out, they don't, they're not under the impression now, I'm gonna be okay, I'm gonna have everything. No, it, did, it didn't work like that for me, you know, because I literally have to work. I need to work and it helps me out. Mm. You know, and uh, um, I just thank God, you know, for the opportunities out here that I have, that I have also had. Yeah, 
No, thank you so much. Yeah, I was wanting to ask that, but I didn't know where to jump in and yeah. ask that question because I think it's really important for people because ideally we want there to support and help you the best we can, but sometimes realizing that maybe I'm not the best person to help Albert and that's okay. But if you know and you're able to express it, you know, the one in recovery and know your triggers and, and help out, I think that's that's very key as you kind of mentioned. Well, and I'd like to add to that this is what restorative justice is about. Yeah. It's about one of the principles, right, is about community and having community to turn to yeah. and to be part of. Sometimes when we're struggling with addiction, we cannot be part of community in healthy ways. Mm. So I guess one of my questions is, um, for you, Albert, in prison, were there people who stayed in community with you even when you didn't want to be in community, and now outside here, are there people who still kind of, it's almost like forcing, um, put themselves in your path to be your community even when you don't want them around? Well, in prison, because we knew each other, mm-hmm. and we knew each other's walks, our journey. Uh, um, when I did have a relapse, people, my friends didn't treat me different. Mm-hmm. They were still there by my side because they were able to empathize. They understood. Mm-hmm. And also that was very helpful and meaningful to me. You know, and I thank God for that. Out here, it's different. It seems like when you do try to reach out for help, it's like they don't have that time for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do feel rejected at times i do get pissed off at times at these people like like i'm trying to reach out mm. or i text you but you never get back yeah it's like the, it's the perfect excuse for me to relapse mm. and it's just that easy yeah. you know to go about it because like i said the variety to get anything out here it's big you could yeah. literally any street you could buy something you can go to a liquor store. Mm-hmm. It's that easy. Yeah. You know, but how would I be doing any type of justice to myself and to everybody that I've harmed? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what keeps me like in a straight line. Yeah, it's it's hard to walk that straight line. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean I have very few people that I could count on. I would call Nora, I call my little sister Daisy. Mm-hmm. But but outside of that, all the people that I thought that we're going to be able to help me out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, they have a life and I have to understand because my expectations can get me in trouble, mm-hmm. you know, and I can get upset over it, you know, and I just have to be realistic, you know, uh, keep it as real as I can, yeah. you know, and do my best to understand mm-hmm. because I know that I was able uh I was not able to help some certain people that need needed my help at the time, you know, because of my job. Mm. I didn't have the time. So I think that's why, too, it, it triggers me, you know, yeah. so much be, because I'm doing the same thing that they were doing to me and to mm. my friends. So, and we talked about this, Nora, mm-hmm. you know, how much guilt I carried, mm. you know, but shedding light on that, how I felt. And it helped me out because I know that if I suppress it, it's not going to end. 
well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you again for coming in, Albert, Nora, um, Aaron, our podcast host, hiding in the background of making sure we're recording everything <laughs> properly. Um, he's behind the scenes, everyone. And yeah, thanks for tuning in today to listen to a Life in the Urban City podcast. And we'll see you guys next time. Tune in. We'll continue the, the series of um, recovery. We have two more coming along. And so we're excited to hear and see the feedback that we get from this. If you enjoy this, please let us know. We'll keep pushing stuff out. Um, follow us on our social media at Just Us for Youth um, to ask us questions, get better information about the podcast. You can even email us at info at ju4y.org so we can get you connected and we'd love to share more and, and talk to you more. So thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Bye.